Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and we're here to chat about Southampton nil Aston Villa one all three points going to the Villa at St. Mary's of course a lot of controversy but some, somehow it really went all Villa's way which is a very unusual feeling but nonetheless it's not me just me I should say here of course I have my good friend Danny Razzo so Danny how you doing yeah I'm doing well mate I genuinely had to double take what happened in the match yesterday because um yeah it was it was probably the weirdest weirdest victory we've had all season but sometimes you got to win ugly and I'm glad we're the one winning ugly for once yeah I mean it's about time I, I can only really think of maybe the Sheffield United game where you'd think okay maybe we didn't deserve it and we just pulled that out but even then I, I think with a man up in that certain situation you kind of have to give us um kind of the judgment on that one but yeah it's just kind of nice to know and it almost gives you that sense of feeling of you know what we're actually good like we're good enough to be lucky not lucky enough to be bad so uh, I'll take it but of course it's a it's a three-way here today so of course we have Simon O'Regan Simon how you doing uh yeah not too bad mate yeah um just very happy to be coming off the back of three points it seems mad how we managed to lose that game against Burnley yeah we've, we've come away with the win last night but um, uh, I'm not going to complain about that yeah no fair enough and yeah these guys just giggled when I said three ways so sorry if people yeah, thought I that prefer, was sexual but I prefer the term triple threat Cole. triple threat triple threat match it's Royal Rumble Sunday daddy come on <laughs> exactly 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 uh, anyways me and Danny will have a chat about that off the pod because no one wants to hear about our thoughts on that of course let's get right on to the game because it came thick and fast of course the first controversial quote-unquote moment of the match of course came I think what 10 minutes within the first 10-15 minutes of the game and of course that's through a controversial Maddie Cash was it or was it not handball of course it comes off the slightest part of his thigh and then goes on to his hand so Simon I'll come to you first what were your thoughts on this was it a penalty for you I mean I know where I stand but where do you stand um, well, if you're going by the letter of the law, then you'd say it wasn't a penalty because it does take the slightest sort of flicks up off his thigh. But I mean, when I was watching it in real time, I thought, oh, Christ, that, that's a penalty there. <laughs> and it's a fantastic save as well. Not one Martinez would have been proud of himself. Um, and then you're looking at the, the slow-mo replays and I'm, I'm still looking, thinking, how, why are they spending so long looking at this? Like, He's clearly on board. It was until sort of maybe the seventh or eighth replay I saw where it's, it flicks off his thigh. So I mean, it's one of those that you'll take, and we've we've had some pretty dubious decisions go against us this season already. So you kind of you're not. I'm not going to have too much sympathy for Southampton. But had that been at the other end, I I would be livid that that hadn't been given because. I mean, it's just one of those where the law is is an ass really. There, I mean. I, yeah, technically, because of how the penalty in the handball law is now, it, they the referees they came to the right decision. But I mean, as as a football fan, how that can't be given as a penalty, yeah, I, I'm really really surprised to be honest. So, like, I, I think we got away with one there, but you you deserve a bit of luck sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And Daniel panned it over to you. Of course, even Matty Cash came out after um, in a kind of post-match presser and said it's hard to defend all the time with your arms behind your back, especially when you're running at top speed. And we know how he likes to kind of get into challenges. And to kind of some extent, I get the rule in the sense of it, it, it might be a little unfair if it comes off, say, your thigh and then goes onto your hand if it's relatively close to your body. But what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, by the letter of the law, that's not a handball because it does appear to go off his thigh. But I I empathise with Southampton because um, it's rubbish, isn't it? 
You know, if 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 if, if, if the ball's hit Cash's hand and it's deflected away from the goal, then I'd be looking for a handball. Why is that? I mean, why is it any like to me? Why why is it any different if it if it comes off the, a body part? If it comes off a body part um, and it's about to go, you know, into the goal, does that mean you're allowed to slap it away with your hand? I don't know. Just just um, okay. My my initial reaction was I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we're supposed to apply the rule here. I'm not sure what the rule is. Um, and I was ne- I was ninety five percent sure they were going to give the penalty to Southampton. Um, but yeah. Coming back to it, that is the law. Um, if it's come off his thigh, then yeah. Look, I don't for one minute think Matty Cash tried to handball it. But um, yeah, just... I feel like if you're watching football pre-2018 without all the analysis of VAR, VAR this, VAR that, you look at that and you think you think handball. Like We're, we're, we're just analysing decisions way too much right now. Being said, Cole, it's not, it's not a penalty in the, at the end. Yeah, no, and I don't, honestly, I don't really have an issue with the rule, like we've kind of talked about in those circumstances, if it's like literally not coming off any other part and your hands like above your shoulder or head, whatever, I can understand that. Like, it's just the finest of margins. And then you kind of go into, well, it's a reactionary thing. So if you're what, a foot away, how can you react different? It's, there's so many different there's like I feel like it's option A if option A doesn't work go to option B and then it goes all the way down to Z there's so many varieties of options that and rules that we don't even know and it is what it is at the end of the day but I think we can all agree that I guess by the letter of the law it's not a penalty and I guess other fans can say we got away with one and we should shut up because you know what fans other fans just point to the Sheffield United goal last season and they just use it as an excuse I was just going to say that with that What's the referee seen there? Because surely there's no way he could have possibly in real time have seen that it has flicked up off his side. I mean, if he has, then he's got the best eyes that I've ever seen a referee have. But surely he must have seen that hit his hand. And I was surprised he didn't give it initially. Like, Is anyone else he must, about that? He must have seen it hit his thigh. He must have looked at that and gone, thigh. That's impressive. If yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Took me a few replays. But but, but, but handballs, handballs like that—they're always difficult, and that's why right now yeah. we're just we're just like analyzing things to the nth degree. Yeah. You know, in the past, you know, a player, you know, the ball might graze a player's hand, or you know, it's it's quick in the box. It's scr- you know, the ball scrambling about everywhere. You can't expect the referee to catch everything. I mean, he should do because that's his job. Um, you know, or he or she, you know, talking about the lines, linesman, lineswoman, whoever. You know, you you've got to. You've got to understand that that it's it's a quick paced game. If there's a quick reaction, if 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 a player's hand is slightly out there, gosh, sometimes you might get it, sometimes you might not. Um, but look with VAR, with VAR, it's black and white, isn't it? It's supposed to be black and white. Anyway, that's what we've been told. Yeah, no, like I I don't know. Like I feel like there's gonna be a new rule like in two weeks for something else. But anyways, I think that's just kind of the world we well, live in. The middle of a season call. In the middle oh, of a season call. No, they wish, oh, sorry. We'll I mean change. they they wouldn't do that. That that's that's really foolish of us to say that, of course. Not. But anyways, let's get on to the, the next bit of business, of course, because it was a bit of back and forth, probably in the first half, you'd say Southampton had the better of the opportunities. And I'd say the one thing that Villa struggled with most was the high press with Southampton. The midfield was being bypassed way too easily, in my opinion, but nonetheless, Villa somehow capitalized with the opening goal and only goal of the game, of course, in the 41st minute through Ross Barkley, Jack Grealish plays a a very nice one touch cross into the middle of the box and Ross Barkley slots home to the, well, heads home, I should say into the left-hand side of the netting, leaving McCarthy in goal completely standstill and Danny I'll come right back to you I mean to kind of catch Southampton completely off guard it was a wonderfully well-taked goal in all those means but what did you make of the whole passage of play there because in my instance for this and I mean we've seen so many other times through the season where you know what we're good but we're not being clinical enough when it mattered most and you can kind of pan back to the Burnley game and go you know what we should have taken opportunities in the first half but you'd have to say this is one of those games and especially with this goal that we're being clinical when it matters most yeah it was a big issue in the Burnley game wasn't it that we weren't clinical enough in the first half particularly um and yeah I think you say clinical you know we we I, th- I think our expected goals at the end of the game was was under one um so you know we really didn't 
didn't make as many chances as Southampton. Southampton, you know, they were all over us first half. Um, but the, the fact is, sometimes Jack Grealish, <laughs> if if you give him a chance to create, he will pinpoint it, he will get it right. And, uh, and it was great to see that. I think what was happening at this point was Southampton had smothered Villa. Villa weren't getting out. They, they, they just weren't getting out. The press was was working so hard. There was, I think, the four forwards for Southampton were were really really pressing the back four of Villa and Louise and McGinn were struggling to get out. But it, it was getting to that point in the first half where maybe Southampton had taken their foot off the gas. Maybe they were a little bit tired. Villa sprung them. Villa started pressing. I, I noticed particularly around the the twenty fifth thirtieth minute, Watkins was was doing a lot more running. Um, so was Bertrand and, and, and Grealish. Um, and yeah, eventually Villa Villa will carve out their chance. I just I thought that it was a bit of a weird decision of Southampton to put Ward Prowse at right back. Uh, I don't I don't understand the logic behind that. I suppose they wanted his pace up against Grealish, but he's not an out and out right back. He's not going to be able to deal with Grealish, and he didn't really. Um, and yeah, no, it was good to it was good to see Villa just not allow Southampton to smother them at that point. It was it was a it was a rush in South, uh, Barkley running into the box. He 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 never really stopped for um for a moment to get the, get his head to the ball. It was all in a quick movement, and I think that was the way we were going to score against Southampton. So yeah, fair play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a quick slap in the face to Southampton. You like to see one of those nice slaps. It wasn't a, a soft slap. It was a pretty firm one. If you're going to go on the on the vector scale of slaps, I would say. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, let's go on to Simon's thoughts, of course. What were your thoughts on the goal, Simon? Because uh, we, we're, we're all thinking, you know what, it, it's one of those kind of smash and grab, grab moments. But once again, it's us taking advantage of limited opportunities, which is actually rare this season. Yeah, I mean, I kind of I go along with what uh, Danny said. Sort of the first twenty minutes, half an hour, Southampton they they were well on top. Um, the penalty incident aside, though, I didn't think they really threatened to score. Like they they had a lot of possession around sort of the halfway line, and but once it got to the our sort of defensive third, I don't think they caused too many problems. We we just weren't getting out at all. Um, but just before the goal, we had the. Uh, like our first sort of proper move when Watkins had the chance, lovely turn in the box and got a decent shot away. And that just sort of seemed to liven us up a little bit. The goal itself, I mean, it started off greatly with a beautiful switch of play from Douglas Louise out to target on the left. And it just opened Southampton up a little bit. As Danny said, Ward Prowse playing at right back. I didn't understand that. It, I, that was just a ridiculous decision because he's. I think he's such a good midfielder, so it just took away a lot of their creativity from from midfield. But see, Grealish, a lovely little spinning behind, um, and the target found nicely. But that that ball in, to be, I mean, it just shows the quality of the player. I mean, that's what happens when you've got one of the best players in the league playing for your football club. They can just a moment of quality out of nothing really. Left foot half volley cross. Barkley, it was a great header as well because as good as the ball in was, Barkley still kind of had quite a bit to do with it. He had, he had to stretch his, his neck muscles quite a bit to get on the end of it. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for Barkley as well, getting that goal. Because I think he, he just, the first couple of games since he came back from injury, I think you could see that, that he hadn't played for a while and he was just sort of getting back up to uh, match fitness. And I think he said after the game as well that he's, he's He's played more. He spent more minutes playing games than he has training since he's come back in. Um, so I think that will do his confidence the world of good. And you could just, you can sort of see the, the confidence he gave us. I think going in then to the second half. I think when we did get the ball, they they knocked it about quite nicely at times. So yeah, really really good goal. And as you say, it's, it's just such a contrast from from last season. Really, that that you can go and. Go ahead in a game like that and and feel confident that you're going to come away with a positive result. Yeah, and I mean, you said it there perfectly, Simon. I, this is perfect for Ross Barkley's confidence. Of course, hasn't had the best of games since coming back, and I think this goal will do him a world of good. And I, I think with him and of course Grealish linking up there, it kind of hypes all the fans up as well to know that you know what this partnership could be absolutely on fire again. So that's good to see. But let's get on to the second half, guys, because. <sighs> I was a little nervous. I'm thinking, okay, is this going to be another Burnley game where, okay, we've got a goal, but 
can we hold on? Can we push forward? Can we make more opportunities? And to be honest, there was a, a 20 minute at least span of just absolute back and forth carnage for a little bit, a few opportunities both ways, but nothing really to write home about where you'd say, you know what, that was the game changer, of course. And we'll get on to another controversial call shortly. But the one thing I come, I kind of want to do touch on in the second half, and maybe we're not going in order, but I want to come to Danny about this because this has been something he's went on about since last season. And I wonder if he knows what I'm going to say, because he's smiling at me right now on camera. We're going to talk about Dean Smith's substitutions or their lack of, and to bring Marvelous Nakamba on for the last 30 seconds of the match, Danny does absolutely nothing. So please, please let us all know your thoughts on Dean Smith and his substitutions or lack of. Well, let's not make this a targeted attack at Dean Smith. I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a decision that the, that the entire coaching staff make for a reason. Um, so Villa's second half, obviously, you know, there, there was that 20 minutes to say back and forth, but Villa defended really, really well. Um, and I think it's amazing how well we defend. And I think this is a reason why we don't make so many substitutions is that there's clearly this balance. I just looked at a, I just looked at a map on my, um, on, on who scored and Villa had like 11 blocks inside the box compared to Southampton's two, you know, and this is the thing Villa, Villa always managed to always managed to do just, um, well, generally managed to do is to just spring in there and have that, have that intensity, have that kind of, um, I, I suppose that presence of mind, to, to know what to do in these situations, particularly when they're getting getting attacked constantly. That's what started happening a little bit later on. Bertrand Traore was um, you know, starting to tire a little bit. Ross Barkley was starting to tire a little bit. Southampton bring on Gineppo, obviously a good bit of pace on the wing. Uh, they bring on uh, Jankowicz and they bring on Shea Adams. Uh, all the while, Villa, Villa don't want to upset the balance. So Dean Smith doesn't want to upset the balance. He's, he's there thinking, well, we've defended well so far. So if I change something here, it's going to upset the balance. That Something just isn't going to work. The, the, the gears are going to change, so to speak. You're replacing um, an original body part with a, uh, you know, what do you call it? With a replacement, with a, I don't know, whatever you'd say, right? A third party part up, right? That's that's the way he's looking at it. And, and I think um, really we need to be a little bit more proactive because I just thought that we came to the 60th minute 65th minute 70th minute all our threat had gone and and it just felt like it was being set up for a Southampton equalizer pretty much could have come because the ball did end up in the back of the net I was fuming um but yeah I just think we need to start making these substitutions earlier because if, if I'm Al Ghazi if I'm Trezeguet if I'm Davis if I'm I know Ramsey wasn't on the bench he, probably he's not going to be worried so much I'm there thinking what's the point of me being here if, if my chances are limited to five minutes at the end, Marvellous Nakamba, 30 seconds at the end, or if I have to come into a game after not, you know, played any minutes for like a full month, and then, you know, you're, you're supposed to, you're supposed to raise that game level and uh, as if you've, as if you've got the same kind of match sharpness as everybody else in the league. I don't know, man. It's just, I guess they're happy. I guess they're fine, but I just, I don't see the logic in it. You've got the players there. You've got to use them. Anyway, that's it. Run over. I'm not. I'm not having a go. I'm not having a go. I'm, I'm, see, I'm trying to justify what what they're probably trying to do. It's just that as a fan, I don't quite get it, and I feel like we're under the cush a lot. Yeah. Well, we love you, Dino. Don't 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 hate us. But no, it, it's one of those things. And I'll get to Simon here in a minute. But I look at it, and I'm sitting there thinking, and I think Dean Smith came out after and said something like he uh, liked what those the starting 11 was doing he felt like if he made any changes I think it was something like it could have jeopardized the game and to be fair basically almost did without making any and I'm, I'm thinking you know what like you can't tell me throwing Nakamba in there and say the 70th minute to set up shop with Ross Barkley coming off because he looked dog tired at that point wasn't really offering anything defensively or to take off a Bertrand Traore and put another defensive option up, or maybe bring on Keenan Davis to put, you know what, maybe I'll move Ollie Watkins out wide and I have some up in the holdup man in the middle to offer more support to waste more time. I don't really know what Dean Smith was thinking. And obviously it's working this season. I will not complain about that, but it's just, it, it's such a risky game to play. And I understand showing faith in the best team possible and the players that he believes in, but at some point it's going to cost us. We've seen that enough in the past and somehow we'll get onto very soon. It's going to cost us again, but Simon, what are your thoughts on all this? Because 
for us, of course, it, it's running a fine line, but what do you feel about it? Um, I'm in agreement. I, I find it frustrating myself because you just, you just feel like you kind of, if he doesn't make a sub, a sub and the players are visibly tired and then they do go and throw away a lead, you just, it feels like you leave yourself open for criticism as to well, why didn't you make it? You know, everyone could see Barkley's tiring. Everyone could see Traore wasn't really causing as much trouble as he has done in previous games. So why not freshen it up? But then I suppose the flip side is, well, they, they won the game, so they didn't need to. I think my major concern with it is, Will, will come in that it's, it sort of reminds me a bit of when um uh, when we had Martin O'Neill as manager and he he tended to play do a similar thing he'd have the, he'd have his sort of starting eleven and one or two other players that that would come in every now and again and that starting eleven was a very good starting eleven was capable of you know finishing you know, in the top sort of five or six but because they played non-stop week in week out every year under Martin O'Neill come March. The players were just knackered. They, there was burnout, and that—I mean, it, it may happen, it may not happen. But one worry would be that it, it seems eerily similar to that. That I don't want to be in a situation where we've had such a great start to the season, and we've got maybe eight, nine games to go, and we're in a real position of strength, and it just fades away because the players just don't have the energy in them anymore to to keep playing the way we do. So that—that's where I think you, you know I'm not calling for wholesale changes every game or substitutions for the sake of it. But there's a squad of players there that, that can come in and do a job for certain games. Like you say, the Camber came in and did really well against Newcastle. Did he really, did, you know, did, did you have to drop him then for the next game and, and then not play him again on, on, Saturday, on Saturday? So I think there's, there's certain occasions where I think the squads could be rotated a bit more, whether it's one or two changes from a game-by-game basis because of how many games we play in such a short period of time or making subs earlier in the, in the game, definitely. You know what, as well? Like, everybody's got to be a part of it. Sorry, sorry. I was just saying, like, everybody's got to be a part of it, man. Look, Al Ghazi scored four goals in five starts. You know, he's... Like, what, what, what's, he, what's he done to get shoved out by Ross Barkley? No, I, I get it. Barkley's a, a great player, right? A brilliant player um, who isn't who's only just got match fit, really. But for the last three games, El Ghazi's had, what, half an hour? Off, you know, off the back of crazy form. Now, if you want these players to keep that up, you can't be shoving them back to the bench and not giving them any opportunities. Keenan Davis this season has been our second-choice striker, but he's gotten, what, five minutes off the bench at most, most games. You know, you know, I mean, any game that he actually gets on, he gets, like, five minutes off the bench. What do you want him to do? I just, I, I just wonder what the plans are for the rest of those players because any team that does well at the top of the table, you know, if you want to break that European, uh, that European spot, you know, if you want to get into the top four, the top six, you need to utilize a squad because not one of those teams goes through the entire season just playing the same players. Liverpool, probably the exception to that rule, but you know, gotta, gotta be able to use those other guys. Yeah, no, 100%. I, and I mean, it, it's like we still have a thin squad. So say if you're taking off an Akamba or taking off him again for an Akamba or for now a Sansun or whoever, you, they're still going to be on the bench. If you give, say if Sansun comes on, has a crappy first 45, you can still bring on John McGinn or whoever in the second half and go at it. It's it's about managing minutes at this point because, and that's the same thing as Simon said, I'm really scared we're going to run into the dog days of the season and we're going to run out of gas. And whether it's for European football or not, which to be honest, I still think we're a season too early. I still think we'd benefit if we weren't in it this year. And then we pushed on, we're able to keep Jack Grealish somehow, hopefully, and then kind of add on more in the summer and go from there. I think that's where it would benefit us most because I'm still scared that going into next season and we got European football somehow, I, I think we could turn into kind of a wolf situation where look at how many games I think they played last season. They were absolutely exhausted by the end. And I feel like for some weird reason, give well, I shouldn't say weird reason, but due to COVID they're still looking absolutely tired because they really haven't had a break. So with how everything's so congested right now and kind of who knows what's going to go on in the future, whenever COVID will resolve itself and we'll get back to a normal schedule. 
it, it, it's always kind of run the risk. But anyways, let's get on and stop ranting. I guess we'll kind of rant again here in a moment because we're going to get on to the last big controversial part of the game. And of course, and that's a Danny Ings goal that didn't stand. And Danny, I'll come back to you first because it's literally the finest of margins. And we've experienced this twice with Ollie Watkins and maybe it's happened a few other times this season as well. And this is all becoming offside because of a shirt and a sleeve. What are your thoughts on this? Should it have stood? Because I feel like, okay, it's a rule, but I almost feel like they're making up rules for the sake of it. And at the same time, thank God Matty Cash's backside isn't a millimeter big. So what are your thoughts? Dean Smith said, um, <laughs> Dean Smith said at least it was Cash and not McGinn. <laughs> Dean Smith genuinely said that after the game. He said if it was John McGinn, we might not have gotten as lucky. Um, but, you know, look, the, the, the thing is, that one again is black and white. By letter of the law, that's offside. And I'm going to happily stand here and say that because Watkins got done on that twice. The exact same thing. So, look, we probably sat here, had a rant about that, about how unlucky that is and and how to be honest right let me let me, let me be clear right if it was if it was up to me if it was up to me <laughs> i think that danny ings that goal should stand because he doesn't really have an advantage as a striker you know they should they, the striker should generally get the benefit of the doubt but um yeah you can if you draw out lines that's offside right um but then you know you you also get into it and it's like it's not it's not like it's it's his sleeve versus his foot. It's his sleeve versus Matty Cash's ass. So then did you get into even more specifics? I think the fact of the matter is we know how VAR judges this. We know that now. Um, and yeah, it's offside at the end of the day. I was still raging though because I just had a feeling Southampton were going to equalize. They were all over us for the entire game. And that's, what, that's why I say it's a bit of an ugly performance. I came out of that game thinking, whoo. Southampton were pretty unlucky because we really did do a villa there, right? We did let them through. And on another day, that's a goal. Villa are gone, 1-1. That's that's points, points thrown out of the bag. I wasn't happy at all. Yeah, and I mean, I think I just came up with the title for this podcast. It might be uh, Junk in the Trunk versus Sleeve or something. I don't know. But anyways, Simon, I'll come to you. What are your thoughts on it? Because, I mean, if this happened to us and we were the attacking team again... I, I don't know if I would have any hair left or if anyone would have any hair left. It's just, it, it's just a bit all crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, as Danny said, it, it has happened to us. It's happened to us twice. Uh, Ollie Watkins has had two rules out for that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's offside. The offside law for me, it, the way it is at the moment is wrong. Um, I, I don't see what was wrong with how it used to be that, if any part of the striker was level with any part of the defender, then you're on sides. I, I, I don't. I, I always think that's how it should be. So whenever I say that to people, they always say, "Oh, but you know that means the defenders might have to defend a bit deeper." Well, so what? Defend deeper, defend better. Like if the striker can time a run so that part of him is level with, uh, you know, say the back part of his foot is level with uh, the furthest defender's foot back then then he's on side so the way I I've always sort of watched football when I was growing up and the way I've played it is you play on the shoulder of the last defender that's what Ings did brilliantly there he followed it up like August striker should do um for me I I would be disallowing goals like that but the the offside law as Dean Smith said after the game um he said he's been consistent with with them and he's never complained about the ones that have gone against us because the offside law it is all it is it's the same for everyone it's annoying, it's frustrating for fans, but it's just the way it is at the moment. You just got to get on with it. So Southampton might feel a bit of grief, but I'm, you know, they'll, they'll have an offside decision like that go forward them with a goal that they might concede at some point this season. So, yeah, from their point of view, it'd be frustrating. From our point of view, you can't say that we got away with one there because that that is just... That's, that's the law at the moment. The law is stupid, so... You kind of you can only play with, with the cards that you dealt there. So um, yeah, just it's it's a mess really, and I don't think any fan really likes it. But it worked for us this time, thankfully, and you know, it's come away with three points that we probably didn't deserve. But 
that's just you know the way it goes sometimes you sometimes you just need to grind out those ugly wins and we manage to do that yeah exactly and i mean i'll gladly take it that puts us on what 32 points out of 19 games and we are three points off another win basically puts us on the season total for the entirety of the 1920 season so that kind of puts into perspective uh where we're uh where we're sitting with this season. And I mean, this is the most successful season that Villa have had since I've started supporting them. And that was around the 2010 mark. So I've been a sucker for punishment since, and I'm glad to feel a little bit of Villa joy, but anyways, let's get on to the Twitter comments and we'll get on to our match balls. Um, so of course I always ask you guys on Twitter at 7,500 to hold, you can tweet us for your post-match thoughts. So I'll just read out about three or four of them. Now uh, we'll go to uh, Tom Bish 07 saying, if I were a Southampton fan, I'd be feeling like I did when we lost to West Ham. Still, all points are good, and we need a, we needed a smash and grab every now and then. Um, a lot of Toms, interest, interestingly, there's like three in a row. So we'll go to uh, Thomas George 97 saying, maybe a bit of good fortune swinging our way. Uh, thought Martinez was world-class team, did show elements of fatigue in the later stages. However, three massive points up the villa uh darren cook dc 71123 saying it was a it was a win hard fought var went our way and we could have easily have lost we need to finish these teams off earlier and let's finish it with uh michael rudd razor rudd on twitter uh saying making an f or make an effing substitution i should say and he just has a gif of i can't tell what team that is but it substitutes doing a little sideways shuffle warm up so uh yeah dino uh listen to michael it might help a little bit more and alleviate some of the stress but uh anyways danny i'll pan it right back over to you uh who would you give your match ball to uh for the southampton match yeah, I, I struggled actually with this one. Um, but I think I'm going to give it to Emi Martinez. I mean, I think Grealish had another great game, to be fair to him, with the chances he created. But I don't really think we got forward enough for me to really give it to an attacking player. Um, I think, yeah, I think I want to give it to Emi Martinez. Because just, you know, he got his hands stamped on. And really, uh, he saved two opportunities, which which could have... Uh, which could have buried us. And Matty Target had another very good game. I thought Walcott was incredibly quiet for the entire game. Um, so was Gineppo when he came on. Uh, so I think I think Target did a good job. Uh, did a good job there. Cash as well. Interestingly, got a really good rating when you look at um, when you look at the statistics as well. He made four tackles. So fair play to him. I think again. I think the entire defense. Good game. Good game up until the end where we just we were we were we were under total pressure. Um, but yeah, the blocks they were getting in, the way everybody was throwing themselves in the line, the John Terry-esque um, near post defending was quality. And they did incredibly well to keep us in the game. If it wasn't for that defense, Villa would not have walked away with three points. So Fair enough. Simon, how about you? Um, yeah, I think there's a, a few candidates in the back four, obviously very good. Um, in general, Martinez made some outstanding saves. I'm going to give it to Greenish, though, just purely for that that bit of quality just to get us that winning goal. And then the few times in the second half towards the end where he just kept the ball quite nice in the corner and sort of when he got got on the ball and took on a few of their players and they, they just couldn't get it off him. And I, thought, I think at, at times when he need, when we need just an element of control, he, he did his best to give it to us. So for that and, and for that bit of quality to uh, to get the winning goal, I'm going to give it to Jack. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to give it to Emmy Martins. Or, uh, well, Emmy Martinez, I should say. I mean, I don't know what more you can say. He's easily the best keeper we've had. Maybe for the last, I feel like I'm going 15 years or so now. It's, I don't know. This is probably the best 20 million questionably we've ever spent. And he's proving it leaps and bounds. I mean, I think it was the save on Bednarak from the corner. And then there was that absolute just blockade between McGinn and I think Matty Cash there and just kind of defending as a unit, how vocal he is. And I mean, he didn't make that initial save. I think it was from Ryan Bertrand. And then of course it led to the Danny Ings goal being offside, but he just comes up clutch. And I just feel so at ease when the ball's around him, because we know we can expect just moments of class and long may it continue. But uh, without further ado, we'll take a brief pause and then we'll, we'll get over to the, uh, the West Ham preview. And we're back. So we're going to get right into the West Ham preview. Just kind of get our brief thoughts on the game, of course, because that's at on Wednesday, I should say, at Villa Park. We all know what happened the last time we played West Ham. And 
VAR controversy was at its finest. I mean, basically, we didn't draw because Ogbonna decided to put Watkins in a chokehold and somehow that's deemed offside. But anyways, I don't want to talk about that again because I still have dreams, but I nightmares, that. I should say. I yeah, I know. It's my, actually, to be fair, it's my most popular uh, tweet, that video. So I, I will take that. Almost has a thousand likes. So uh, Billy Big Bollocks over here, you know. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's get Danny's thoughts first. So Danny, how are you feeling about this one on Wednesday? Because I mean, they're coming off a loss, of course, to Liverpool. We're coming off a win over Southampton. So obviously a differing of form. Technically, if we win on Wednesday, we go above them. And I think that could fit us into fifth with how things stand currently with uh, Spurs losing on the Sunday. So um, what are your thoughts? They're in insane form, man. West Ham. I'm, I'm not enjoying the prospect of it. I, like David Moyes has somehow managed to get this team. Just, um, I don't know, just chaotic enough that they're somehow pulling off victories. I don't know how you set up to play against West Ham because they don't have a tactical identity. So, like, what do you do? You just kind of turn up and see what they decide to do on the day, right? But no, like, you know, they, they, they beat, I think they were, on a, they were on a run of about six games that they won on the bounce before the Liverpool game. And, and even then, I don't, I don't believe they played terribly against, uh, against them today. I don't, I didn't watch it, but, you know, they... You know, Liverpool, what can you do when Salah's on form, right? Um, but yeah, in general, this West Ham team, you know, Antonio always going to cause some danger. Ben Rama, um, you know, it's he's set up to, to to have a good game against us at some point, isn't he? Rice and Sushek always going to be difficult as well in that midfield. McGinn and Louise need to play better than they did against Southampton. We're going to need to really kind of be on point. We're really going to need to have a lot of energy. That being said, when we played them earlier on in the season, they didn't look very good. So if Villa take their chances, they should be able to win. But yeah, you're, you're coming up against a team in really hot form. Yeah, and I mean, this is the same uh, David Moyes or David Moyes um, when he was, of course, in Spain, when he tried to say Ilormendi or whatever it was there in the Spanish, if you guys have seen that. Yadamendi, Il- yeah. yeah, but how he tried to say it, it just absolutely came out as absolute crap. But anyways, oh, yeah, A for yeah, effort. Yeah, 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 but anyways, Simon, I'll come to you because, of course, the games are still coming thick and fast. We're coming to this tail end of just basically a game every three days or so, maybe every four days given the odd game. But is this a game where you think, you know what, maybe we chuck in Morgan Sands on at some point? I mean, I think that's what everyone's kind of waiting to see and hoping to see. Um, well, I think if they're waiting to see that, I think they might be waiting a while. I, I don't see Smith changing starting 11, to be honest. Um, the game itself, I kind of... I mean, sort of in two minds about it because, as sort of Danny was saying there, they they've been in really good form. But when we played them, I, I thought they were really poor against us. I, I, I don't quite know how we came away with that game with the defeats. Um, even taking aside the you know the the offside thing at, at the end, I thought like over the ninety minutes, barred the opening minute of each half, I thought we were fairly in control of of, of that game. So. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one, tough one to call. I think if, as long as the players have still got the energy to go for ninety minutes, I, I think we're we're more than capable of of getting a decent result against them. Um, but it's just yeah, West Ham. They're a bit of a funny team, really. Like whenever I watch them, I I don't think that they ever look that good, but they've clearly been doing something right because they're sitting fifth in the table right now. So. They're just, they're just an awkward team to play against, which, you know, I suppose you classic Moyes from, you know, when he was at Everton, they, they had decent players, but they were always awkward and difficult to play against. So it's it's a game that I, if I was pushed to go to, to give a score position, I'd, I'd go for a bit of win, but I think it'll be tough. You know what it is with them as well? They're weird. Like they, they, they win the games they're supposed to win. So they beat Burnley, they beat Palace, they beat... Um, was it was it ever and they won as well? Like actually, to be fair, like yeah. they played to them, right? You know, they 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 win the games they're supposed to win. West Brom as well recently, where they come up against the Liverpool and they struggle. You know, they're not they're not quite at that level, I don't think. But you know, West Ham at their best when when all those players gel together, and I guess this is what's happening now. They're probably gelling now. At first, I thought it was a bit of a mishmash. They're probably gelling a little bit better now. They're probably missing a top-class striker as well as Antonio has been doing for him. Um, but, you know, Sushek and Rice probably 
know each other well enough now. Um, yeah, they, they just, I guess, I guess do the job more yeah, than anything. I mean, I watched the Liverpool game uh, today. Of course, you guys will hear this on Monday. So if we're saying today, it's Sunday, just to let you guys know if you get confused. But um, they did play very well for probably, you'd have to say, the first, you know what, honestly, I thought they actually just played good in their entirety. It was just a few moments of class from Liverpool. You're going to get that against the top teams. I mean, the second goal the, over the top from Shakiri to Salah, like the break was unreal. You're not going to stop that. I don't care. Any team's not going to stop that. Arguably even Man City. So it, it, it's tough. They're playing very well. They're keeping games tight for the majority. And to be fair, kind of a more humorous standpoint, United fans must be fuming, thinking, where was this David Moyes when we had him? But anyways, it's just, it seems like he has a very compact team. He knows what to expect. (laughs) And sorry, go on, Danny, what were you going to say? Let's not, let's not uh, start pretending that that David Moyes is all of a sudden the the Messiah here. No, he's done. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that, but he's done very, very, see, that was the thing. I never thought he was going to be the Messiah thing, complex thing after Fergie, but like, I don't know. Like he's definitely picked it up. He's went from a few just absolute kind of shit show jobs, if I'm being blunt. And it, it kind of finally feels like he's come back to West Ham and he's found the fit. He's found the players and it's working to be fair. So maybe it's a COVID thing. Maybe it's just because of it's a crazy season. Who knows? But he's doing a good, a very good job. Uh, my girlfriend's uh, grandfather is a West Ham fan. So he always messages me. And it's really annoying, so I hope we beat them because I do not want to listen to another short little tweet, or not tweet, I should say, Facebook message about how his team's better and he thinks Jack Grealish dives too much. But anyways, I'm tired of that. And that's just, you. that's what you get from those West London people, I guess you could say. But anyways, nonetheless. Um, Danny, score prediction? Um, I think the, um, no, 1-1. <laughs> You think so? Okay. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. I'm going one-one. Just because West Ham have been in pretty good form, I think the Villa might approach. The, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm seeing a couple of signs of. Um, I don't want to say arrogance, complacency from Villa. I, I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna call it how I see it. I'm just gonna call it how I see it. I'm not. I'm not trying to criticize. I think we're playing brilliantly. I think we're playing really well. We're playing some good football. But I'm just seeing a couple of signs of complacency. Am I absolutely certain that the defense is going to prevent um, another West Ham catch goal at the start of uh, of the half? I'm not sure. You know, West Ham. If they spring us, we saw very well that they can that they can um, hold us off if they need to. We're gonna need to come and in, come into this game with a heck of a lot more energy than we approached the Southampton game and with a heck of a lot more uh, energy than we approached the second half of the Burnley game. And yeah, look, Sushek and Rice, very good midfielders, but if Louise and McGinn play to their, um, play to their capacity, they'll outrun them. And uh, yeah, I think we have the better attack. It's just going to be a case of whether or not we approach this game with the same kind of intensity as we would have approached um, a top-level team. Because West Ham at the moment, you have to hold them up as alongside the Leicesters and the Tottenhams and the United and the Uniteds at the moment. You know, they're, they're here to play now as well, West Ham. So I think it's going to be a tough game. That's why I'm saying 1-1. That, that, I don't know why. It just feels weird to hear West Ham in, like, potential top four. It just seems mental considering how but much... Well, no, it's just crazy with all the controversy going around the club with the ownership and stuff. And then you, you just see where they are and they think, oh, okay, somehow it's working. But Simon, what's your score prediction on this one? Uh, I'm, I'm a bit more confident. I, I'm, I'm thinking 2-0 Villa. I, I think because of the way we played, what West Ham did to us when we played them uh, at their place, I think Villa will be more focused on, on trying to make sure that that absolutely doesn't happen again and they don't get caught napping again. So I think they'll be pretty focused to try and, and put that game, uh, try and put that right. Because I, as I say, I don't think we should have come away from that game without anything. So and I, I just think Anto has good. I mean, I, I do like Antonio. I think he, I think he's quite underrated actually. I think our attacking players will cause their defence more problems than their attacking players will cause our defence. So I'm going to go 2-0. Do you think Sanson's going to make his debut? That's one thing I'm, that's one thing I'm 
hoping uh, to see because, like, we didn't even yeah, get I'd, to see him off the bench. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say so. I think probably, I mean, he only came to us on Wednesday, didn't he? So he's probably only had one of, you know, a day's training with, with the games, you know, we played Wednesday night and that. So, uh, yeah, I can, I can maybe understand why he didn't come on um, against Southampton, but I, I'd expect him to at least get, get some game time on, on Wednesday against West Ham. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like this is either going to be a nil-nil for some weird reason or we're just going to scrape it. But I do think changes need to be made a little bit. I, I think Samsung? there is a little Samsung? Yes. Samsung? Samsung. Yeah. Samsung. <laughs> Samsung. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just I, I think it's needed wherever it is. It just has to. I think we're looking a little bit laggy. And I don't want it to come down to a loss and then people come out and say, oh, we're a little tired with all this fixture congestion. It's just like, well... You can use that to an excuse for only so long. So, you know what? I'll, I'll go 1-0 Villa. To be fair, right, I'll give this Dean Smith's credit. He's not once. I have never heard him ever, ever complain about fixture congestion. And I rate him for that because you see some managers complain about <laughs> it every week. <laughs> every single time they don't win a game, fixture congestion. Dean Smith says, my boys are fit. My boys are healthy. They want to play. All the while, you know, they're probably there thinking, you know what I could do with a 20-minute break? <laughs> Never game. But, you know, uh, yeah, look, fitness has been a big thing for us this season. And it's it's really improved us. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to be actually, Danny, funnily enough, that's probably going to be the next uh, transfer headline probably tomorrow, or, or I guess when you hear this today, on transfer deadline day, it'll be Jack Grealish wants to leave Villa because he's overplayed or something. So that'll be the next thing that comes out probably for United fans to pretend that he's making the way for an excuse or something but anyways let's uh before actually before we wrap things up and i almost forgot i wanted to bring this up of course it's breaking news as of this sunday afternoon or evening wherever you are in the world or maybe even morning uh of course freddie uh, gilbert looks like well is on his way to strasbourg on loan in france of course um not really shocking he made i think believe it was 25 appearances last season. I think he came on for what, two minutes, like you said, Danny, um, in our pre-call in the Fulham game. So we haven't seen him. It's kind of been obvious that he's going to make a move at some point, but what are your thoughts? I think we've got a very good right back here who didn't really get to play as much as he should have last season. Um, but, you know, was 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 there, uh, there or thereabouts. Um you know, you've got to remember there was the whole Konza situation as well, wasn't there? You know, when Konza started playing right back ahead of him and Konza wasn't a right back. <laughs> um, but, but but you know, Smith clearly knew what he was doing there. Now you've come into this season and Matty Cash has just blown everybody out of the water. As good as Freddie, as, as good as Freddie Gilbert is, Cash has been brilliant. Look, I'll watch Gilbert back at Villa. I'd, I'd, I think it'd be a, a brilliant number two right back and I think it'd be you know, as, as he's a Premier League standard right back, in my opinion. Al Mohamed is not getting any younger, and so he can't be our deputy for the rest of his career. So I hope that Gilbert goes over to Strasbourg. I hope he plays the rest of the season. I hope he has a fantastic season, and I hope he comes back in the summer and says to Matty Cash, "It's either you or me," you know. And uh, and I hope there's healthy competition there. Yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be interesting to see because we can kind of compare that to. I mean, Connor Herhan's situation is a little bit different. I think he's probably gone in the summer, but just age and kind of a packed midfield now that we're getting with Sanson coming in, of of course as well. And Simon, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, Danny's said it perfectly there. Of course, Elmo's probably done with us at the end of the season. You'd imagine. Um, if anything, maybe in a coaching role in the future. I don't know if he ever plans that, but. Then you look at Gilbert. Do you think kind of beyond this season, he has a future at Villa? Um, I personally, I would keep him because I like, I like him. Like I think we were chatting um, before we started recording, like when the news broke out, I thought he did a decent job last season because it was you know first year in in English football in the Premier League. I, I don't think he, he he did that badly. Um, and when we signed Cash in the summer, I was sat there thinking. Is that really a priority position? But you know, Cash has been outstanding, and that, that you know, Dean Smith clearly knows what he's doing. In terms of do I think Gilbert will have a future at Villa? Personally, I, I, I don't see it. I I think, and from little bits and pieces that you sort of reading here, 
I I think that they've got quite uh, high hopes for Kane Kessler. And I wouldn't be surprised if they moved Gilbert on thinking that he's just not going to have a long-term future at Villa. So they'd rather have that second choice right back be... uh, an academy project that they've they've seemed to have high hopes for. So it's a shame to say I, I like him. I, I think he's a decent player. I think he could play in the, um, but I just I but for, you know the fact that he just hasn't had any sniff of real game time. And even as Danny was saying, there Conza was playing at right back over him uh, the back end of last season. I I just sadly feel I, I just don't see a future of him at Villa, which you know it's a shame, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's kind of at the point where it, it's kind of an it is what it is situation. I mean, we all know he was bought for another championship campaign and then the inevitable happened, or not, I shouldn't say the inevitable, but the unbelievable happened, of course, with that crazy win streak and getting promoted and we're ahead of schedule and we still arguably are. So it's tough on him because if we were still in the championship for last season and then maybe got promoted, maybe you'd see more of a future or you would have seen more of him in a positive manner. But I just think it, luck didn't really go his way and I think with Matty Cash flying in and just being crazily above expectation somehow it's it's just it's it's just been a matter of luck for him and hopefully he does come back fit and firing and he wants to push for it but if it doesn't all we can do is wish him all the best and kind of move on from there it's just kind of life in football unfortunately but anyways guys let's uh let's wrap it up there we've been going on for more than long enough thank you very much to uh both for danny and to simon for joining me if you want to find danny on twitter it's at razad journal if you want to find simon on twitter i remembered it Cy o'regan if you want to find me cole Petum on twitter it's at talk aston villa you can email the podcast holtcast at gmail.com tweet the team at 7500 holt we'll leave it there hopefully a positive result on wednesday but don't forget up the villa Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.